Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed drunk boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. You must remember this, a kiss is just a kiss. No music. That's right. We're the podcast that explores the American animated sitcom, The Simpsons, from seasons 11 and beyond. New ones when they're available. Why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, an entity known as the Will of Random has trapped us and forced us to watch these episodes. I say we because I'm an annoyed drunk boy, Steve. And with me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy, Craig. Hey, Craig, how's it going? Just recovering from the big game yesterday as of a record time. Yes. Uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. I was going to say the Kansas City Chefs. Oh, I forgot the I, but I made that joke like last week. <laughs> it's a funny joke, I thought. I like it. And uh, if you follow this podcast, or if this is the first time listening, Steve uh, lives in a house. <laughs> True. But besides that, next to his house is a bar that is a Philadelphia Eagles bar. So just imagine the Eagles and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl and the glorious Eagles, uh, their wings got clipped. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs uh, slayed them. And uh, is your house still standing? That's all I wanted. But, you know, Philadelphia fans, Eagles fans are very known to be rambunctious and uh, burn the city down if their team loses. And quite honestly, if their team also wins, they just burn everything down. So how's uh, your house? Yeah, so I am not much of a football head, but I had uh, the game on on my laptop at work last night just to see the score, just so I could know what I was anticipating <laughs> when I came home. And so I got home about nine o'clock and, you know, before I left for the day, the party had already started around 10 a.m. People were drinking, people were having fun. They had uh, pasted pictures of Crisco on the telephone pole. Everyone was having a good time. I don't even think the owner of the bar was working. I think he was just there as a customer, basically, just to get sloshed. And then when I came home from work, it is the quietest I had ever seen the bar. A single <laughs> green light bulb was lit outside, and you could feel it just felt somber. Just like a, an air of quiet was on the street. It was like nothing had ever happened, and there was never an, a, an Eagles bar that existed there. <laughs> it's very weird, but my house is intact, so all is well. So Sorry, you're, birds. So you're saying that like the Portland-based Eagles fans are actually well-mannered kids. Yeah, That's they just good. went home and you know probably had some more uh, cheese steaks and beer and yeah. called it a night. When you were at work with a laptop on, like a customer's coming to you and they're like, oh, you're watching the big game or whatever. And you're like, uh, yeah, sure. And then you're helping out and the game's on. And then all of a sudden a commercial comes like, shut up, commercial's on. I got to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's the deal with like, I'm not doing a Seinfeld bit with what's the deal. But <laughs> I noticed months before the game started, at least a month watching the ads, a lot of ad companies are teasing now the ads for Super Bowl. They're making the teaser trailers for the ads that you're going to see on Super Bowl. It's like February 12th, this ad will be exposed to the world. Like they build up this whole like like a trailer to a tra- to a commercial. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. When like big movie, like summer movie trailers are on uh, the Super Bowl commercials. But now they're just like, here's a clip of the trailer. Watch the whole trailer online. So you have to like do extra work. Like, well, can't you just put the whole trailer on? Yeah. So that's my complaint with the Super Bowls. The commercials need to be better. <laughs> yeah. And the one about Jesus, that was weird. Yeah. Mm. Um, last week, we talked about 
our comfort shows that we like to watch at night before we go to bed. Oh, yeah. And so we put it out to our listeners what they like to watch. And uh, we got some good responses. Timothy saying, uh, aside from keeping up with Simpsons, Futurama, King of the Hill, uh, and Tukin Beretti uh, for review podcasts, he's been binging on 30 to 40 year old Siskel and Ebert at the movies. Like, uh, that's pretty fun. Like, I've gone back and gone on YouTube. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Just like looking up like old reviews, but not the not before bed. <laughs> like, I can't get my daily dose of Siskel and Ebert. Um, I love it because it was always a nighttime show for me. And also, I actually found a TikTok account that shows this like one movie review of Siskel and Ebert. And I just happened to catch them talk about the 1989 Batman and they hated it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. As kids, you know, that was our favorite movie. Yeah. Cisco uh, thought it was too dark and not enough fun. Oh, so and... he wandered the campy uh, right. 66 Adam West. Okay. Yeah. And they both kind of felt there was too much Joker. <laughs> Arguably, like the best part of the movie is Jack Lewis's right, right. Joker. So, yeah. Um... So they weren't always right. I mean, didn't they both like... Uh... Something about Mary thought it was the funniest movie ever, but like looking back at it now, it's very problematic. Watching other takes, I gotta say, first of all, I think Siskel's a dipshit. Which one <laughs> like, is that? The, the tall ball. Okay. His takes are normally off and dumb, and I think Ebert is well educated, but also often wrong. You know, it's so funny. It's like those were the two guys that in our youth, like in our teens, we would go see a movie based on their oh yeah uh, for sure recommendations. I mean, I loved watching them. What every like Sunday night mm-hmm. was it always like before America's Funniest Home Videos or something? So this is dorky of me to remember, but they showed it twice. They showed it on Saturdays at seven thirty in our market, oh, and okay. then Sunday nights at eleven thirty, like a late at night. Oh, so right, I remember right. I would always watch it late at night because I would wouldn't want to go to school the next day. Yeah. Oh, it was Sundays. That's right. Yeah. Because you'd be waiting for like, uh, oh, what are they going to say about uh, at our time? Like Kevin Smith, who's like, what are they going to say about Dogma? We got to watch. Right, exactly. And I think they both liked it. Yeah, that's good. Fun one there. Uh, Thank you, Timothy. So next up we have Jared. He likes to watch uh, Parks and Rec before bed, which is a great show. Yeah, we finally did the full watch through because Heather had never seen it. So we watched it. So now that we've seen the series, we can uh, use that as a late night uh, nappy nap time. Mm Mm-hmm. We got another one from Laura here. It says she goes to bed around nine. So her late night shows would be include something like an ambient YouTube video or the Great British Bake Off, which I've never seen. I know that the British Bake Off is a very um, like saccharine. Is that the right word I'd be using? Like, it's a very nice show. It is. It's very comforting. It's like it's Positive. so much not like American reality TV because everybody helps everybody out. It's not so much competition with other people as it is with yourself. And what, so wasn't there some controversy like when a recent episode where they had like uh, they were supposed to do like taco night or a Mexican food night? Yeah. So I do watch the show on the regular and um yeah there was last season a mexican themed episode it started off a little weird because there were like some sombreros and some questionable like appropriation but mostly the food was not so much offensive to the mexican culture but just to food in general because they just don't have a sense of the spices and like there isn't a prevalence of mexican food in england so they didn't know exactly what they're doing so their food just looked all kind of gross yeah and that's a stereotype with english food is that it's very bland and boring right right and they do have a very good collection of food in england not collection but you know their culture they do have a food culture there that is solid yeah but what, ba- what's all the food stylings in all those michelin restaurants right exactly no what 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 oh. type of ethnicity is it english no no it's french <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> or italian mm-hmm. or indian or japanese yeah yeah like 
all the good food is not culturally based English food. Yeah, but they got fish and chips. All right. Yeah, uh, we have any more comments? I've got one more from uh, Caudill, and she writes: Gilmore Girls on a loop, but Thirty Rock is a regular rewatch, and they enjoy Bob's Burgers as well. You're a you're a Gilmore boy, right? I I I was an M. It's a silly show, but I enjoy it a lot. Another thing that I want to say from them: their name is Andrea or Andrea. Uh, they also sent a nice picture uh, of them of some cookies they made, and they said, "Thanks to all y'all for entertaining me while I baked this morning. I appreciate you, and I wish." for forward you some cookies which i thought was very sweet well we appreciate you that's awesome yeah thank you so much yep. and you're right uh gilmore girls is uh, super comforting bob's burgers i'm just one that i'm watching now and it feels good and uh like timothy said king of the hill i, I i'm due for a rewatch of that because it's also very just kind of a nice benign show that you can just put on and drift off to sleep and it's coming back that's right for better, for worse. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the the shows, I forget to really mention what we do watch, like, when we're in bed before we sleep is I put on either Rift Tracks or old MST3K because it's a very nice, like, nice low sound. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. like, explosions or whatever. You're just hearing the, the voices. I was going to say Star Trek, The Next Generation is a great go-to-bed show. Oh, yeah. Uh, except for when the credits come on, the end credits, because it's so, like, loud. That wakes you up, so that's a negative. Mm-hmm. But what we've been really watching is old episodes of the real Ghostbusters, <sighs> the cartoon. There's such a slow pace with old 80s cartoons that mm-hmm. will put you to sleep. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. There's on YouTube a constant streaming of old episodes of G.I. Joe. And that's great because it's also slow paced and there's always a score underneath the episodes. So there's like this instrumentation that goes throughout it, which is kind of really comforting to me. So yeah, I could see how the real Ghostbusters would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So thanks to everyone for your, uh, like Steve said, for all your comments and uh, this is fun. We'll do again. We'll have to pose a question in the future. Yeah, we'll keep that on the regular. Speaking of being regular, it's time for our favorite regular segment, The Simpsons Beer Quarter. All right, Steve. Well, this week we got Smithers, you know, still lamenting over the fact that uh, Burns, he can never really be with him. You know, he's kind of like, uh, what's that term that uh, like your BFF, like you would be my... uh, like if we were motorcyclists, what's that like uh, that term for buddies? Uh, oh, like, like your ride or die. Yeah, they're like he, Smithers and Burns, like they're his ride or die, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going with uh, Heathen Brewing with collaboration of North Jetty Brewing with their ride or die. Ooh. Yeah, it's a rye, but also it's an IPA. Whoa. Steve, does Craig do IPAs? No, he does not. But I am today because it's, um, you know, when they say, when I see the word rye, a mm-hmm. rye IPA, I got to try because I love a rye. You can even call it a rye PA. <laughs> yeah, don't pronounce it in like a French way. <laughs> the French accent. Uh, but yeah, um, so it's a, uh, it's got 6.6% ABVs uh, with a 50 IBUs. Ooh. You know, I'm not a big IPA guy, but uh, let's see what happens here. So the initial uh, a taste is the that kind of like pineiness IPA, but it's very subdued and it's leaving you with a nice, refreshing aftertaste. Like it's it's really pleasing to the uh, senses, to all of them, uh, except for the sixth sense, because um, I don't see dead people yet. Keep on drinking. <laughs> this is surprisingly like very pleasant. You know, I'm going to start getting more to IPAs, but I don't want to be an IPA guy. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I know. I know that's that's slow, like 2008. That's so 2000 late. And it's so Raven. (laughs) 
anyways, but um, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy this. Usually for me, IPAs are kind of the, uh, let me have like two or three other beers first and then I'll drink an IPA. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would drink a couple of these. I think they're very serviceable. And um, yeah, it would go great with the, you know, your little fish and chips or whatever, or what have you. Yeah, yeah I, I think this is a good IPA. So um, Heathen Brewery, uh, good job. Very nice. That sounds actually kind of nice. How about you, Steve? Well, Craig, I am um, was really inspired. <laughs> I was really inspired by you know the love that Smithers had for Burns, which I would consider to be gigantic. And also, you know, he had a little uh, affection for Julio, who has a personality which I would consider you know a little spicy. So that's why, from Gigantic Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. I have Tierra del Stout, or Land of Stout, which was inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. We crafted this rich and decadent chocolate stout with vanilla, cinnamon, and a blend of chilies. Comes in at 7.2%. And it pours fairly dark. It smells a little spicy. That's nice. Ooh, it dances on the tongue a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, not overly sweet at all. Just um, like a nice straightforward stout with just a hint of spiciness at the end. So you get like the chocolate notes up front and then a little bit of spice, nothing too crazy. But it's a really pleasant, a really good sipper. I like this a lot. Hmm, that does sound very tasty. Yeah, and it has a uh, sugar skull on the bottle. So not super kid-friendly because that would be scary. But uh, yeah, this is really nice. It's uh, easy drinking but spicy. So you're not going to like chug it, but you're not going to like, you know, it's somewhere between a sipper and a chugger. There's a joke there, but I just can't think of it right now. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but uh, it was a good one. All right. Well, cheers to drinking good beers. Indeed. Cheers to that. And cheers to going back in time, all the way back to when our episode first aired, April 3rd, 2016. Craig, what was the number one movie in the box office? Well, you know I was there. That's right. It was Ben Affleck v. Henry Cavill in Dawn of Justice. That's right. Batman v. Superman. The... Highly anticipated, and then as fans exit the theater, saddened. <laughs> it was the beginning of the end, right? Like the Snyderverse, and you know we have the whole Snyderverse army online. All those bots. Mm-hmm. Like Man of Steel was fine. I wasn't into it, but then the more I've watched it, I, I like it more. It's kind of like the new uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. Like I was fine with it, but then I've watched it like twice now and mm-hmm. enjoyed it more. Oh wow. And then so when Batman v Superman came out, I was like really stuck. Like, hey, we're finally getting Batman and Superman on screen. But man, that movie suck. <laughs> and I try to be positive on this podcast, but yeah, it's not good. Ooh, sad and, to uh, hear because, yeah, you're pretty open minded about the uh, superhero films. So. I'm open minded to all uh, forms of art because it's all art and someone created it to give enjoyment. But uh, hey, those weren't my Superman and Batmans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got watched the big game yesterday and the big trailer for me was The Flash. And I know Ezra Miller should be canceled, but apparently this movie's supposed to be that good that they can't cancel him. Like that's wow. all I've read on the internet. It's like you're like, no, we this movie is too good to not show to people. And seeing that trailer and seeing uh speaking of Batman 89, seeing Michael Keaton <laughs> saying I'm Batman, like I cried a little in my pants. <laughs> like that's how excited I am for, for wow. seeing Keaton back as a 900 year old Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> RAP the Snyderverse Let's welcome into uh, the James Gunniverse. Bang, bang. Yeah, that's right. All right, Steve. Uh, well, uh, I was actually at Batman v Superman. You were probably at home crying and listening to music. What were you listening to? Speaking of the big game, uh, the number one song of the Billboard Hot 100 was Work by Rihanna featuring Human Garbage, Drake. Work, 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 work. You see me, I be work, 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 work. You see me, do me that. 
Hmm, Steve, I'll hmm. stop it there. I feel like uh, Rihanna's got a lawsuit on her hand. I think she plagiarized a great piece of uh, work here. Speaking of the word work, 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 I'm just going to play my evidence that uh, she okay. plagiarized. Ready? Yeah. Work, 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 work. Hello, boys. Have a good night's rest. I missed you. <laughs> she just totally stole from Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles. Right. They Which, said of course, that song could be made today. <laughs> yeah. And she proved that she could. Ah. Uh, that was fun, huh? Yeah, it was a good time. That's fun to throw some fine. bits bits into the song of the week. I do enjoy bits, and I do enjoy pieces, like pieces of The Simpsons, which we'll talk about. And today we're talking about The Burns Cage, in which Homer tries to raise Smithers' spirits by finding him a man. And Lisa gets the lead in the school production of Casablanca, alongside a new male student, sparking Milhouse's jealousy. Okay. All right. <laughs> You win. Let's get, yay. Let's give that a watch and uh, we'll be right back. Work, 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 work. Hello, boys. Have a good night's rest. I missed you. And we're back. Today we're talking about The Burns Cage, the 17th episode of the 27th season. It originally aired on April 3rd, 2016. It is episode 591 in the show's run. Your nerd code is VABF10. It was written by Rob Lezebnik, directed by Rob Oliver, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Oh boy, Rob Lezebnik. Have we reviewed most of his episodes he's written? Yes, most of them we have. Should we just retitle this podcast the first Rob Luzebnik podcast? Yes. I don't think there's any other Rob Luzebnik podcasts out there. Probably not uh, solely dedicated to him, no. We got uh, at least 11 episodes. Yeah, this is number 12 for us, so which means that we only have about six left. Yeah. Steve, could you imagine if we only had six more episodes of a podcast to do and oh, that's boy. it? <laughs> Now that we know that we're going into what uh, they renewed for another two seasons, mm -hmm. so 37, 37 in, in a row. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing eight to up to eight hundred episodes at least. Ooh, I mean, yes. not us, because we got at least at least we started in the eleventh season. I almost think we should have started in the twentieth season. <laughs> That would have been easier. <laughs> and then based on our, our track record of episodes of prior to season 20, like uh, I think I'm enjoying the, the latter half. Yeah, I think so. Let's think in like comic book terms. Yeah. So, like the golden age is like the 30s and 40s, right? This like, like Superman and Batman, they're all coming about Captain America. Yeah. So I'd say that's what like Ullman through like season two. Wow. Really? Season well, two. Or I don't know. I mean, because everything's not established yet. So then, because yeah, I'm saying in comic book terms, the Silver Age is like during the uh, late 50s, early 60s. That's when uh, Marvel kind of comes into play, right? Mm -hmm. You got a new Flash and a Green Lantern. You know. Okay, yeah. The Silver Age is kind of considered like I think in comic books terms, like out of all the ages, maybe like kind of the dawn of modern. So yeah. Like, like golden age comics, like stories are very simple. I think you're right. So then seasons three through maybe. Seven or eight could be the silver yeah, age. I would say eight. Okay. Cutting it uh, close on the eight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe seven. Maybe seven. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll say eight through 12 would be. Yeah. Them. 
So that'd be like the 70s and 80s of comic books, which I don't know. They were called the modern age, but now we're in yeah. the 2020s. What What is it now for, for the comic book? That's a good question, and, yeah. Because to me, the modern age of comics is still like the eight. Like that's when the crisis of infinite earths or like the secret wars in the 80s for Marvel and DC, like that would be the birth of like the modern age. But that's right. been like 30 years now. The well, it's kind of like modern art is from the 50s. Right. So according to uh, Wikipedia. The only source that we uh, use. Right. They're saying that the modern age started in 85. and is Yeah, that's going, that's right. That's what I said. Yeah. And is going on today. So, so then um, we would say the modern it, age is seasons 11 to beyond. Oh, man. man yeah. <laughs> we did it. We were correct. That's right. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the modern age. Isn't that a song? It should be. It's, that's a good lyric. Um, but yeah, you know, Rob Lezebnik, what was some of the, what's the more recent one that he wrote was a portrait of Lackey on fire. Yeah. That is, one we reviewed way back in November, which was, that was also a, a Smithers finding love episode, right? That's right. Which he uh, wrote with his son, Johnny Lezebnik. This episode is actually a tribute to his son because this episode is about Smithers coming out officially as gay, which is considered to be the show's worst kept secret. But this was actually in 2015, uh, Rob Lezebnik's son came out to him. And so they wanted to uh, share that. Lezebnik said that uh, he's a Midwestern guy, so he doesn't tend to wear his emotions on his sleeve. But I thought, what better way to tell my son that I love him than to write a cartoon about it? <laughs> um <laughs> That's a funny joke. Yeah, and like he got approval for the script from his son. And then uh, he said that Smithers coming out in this episode is kind of low-key. It's not a big announcement. It's just like Johnny's because he told the Post that as he was the gayest little kid, his parents were not surprised by his orientation. And so um, 22 days before Johnny's 22nd birthday, or five days before Johnny's 22nd birthday, they had a viewing party for the thing. And it would be particularly meaningful to the community to have a real impact on people's thinking. So I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I like how... Um... You know, brought up this is the official coming out for Smithers, which, of course, like you said, was the best kept secret. Everyone knew, you know, viewers alike and even the town of Springfield knew. And I'm glad they didn't do some sort of big pop and circumstance episode. Like it was just normal. And like everyone yeah. in Springfield felt normal. Like they do a joke where you think it's going to go one way later in the episode with Lenny's like, we better find a girl for Smithers to help us find a guy for him. You know, <laughs> I think like in our society, like in America, majority of the people are fine with it you know it's it's not a yeah. big deal these days there's there's a certain group of people that are still against it but you know fuck them yeah totally and uh so yeah that that's kind of what's something i appreciate about this episode mm -hmm. yeah it's nice to have characters just be people and it's yeah. like not a gay episode or like you know it's not just like that so right. yeah I, I appreciate that um, and also the title of the episode, The uh, Burns Cage, is a reference to the uh, 96 film, The Birdcage, which fe features Hank Azaria, who is uh, Agador in that. And it kind of based his character Julio on. So, yeah, that's kind of fun, too. All right. Well, Steve, we're starting off uh, with the full credits, full opening credits. Simpsons coming out. There's a basketball man wearing number 18. Do you think this is uh, someone who played for the Villanova Wildcats? I think maybe. Uh, because um, I think we're going to have a, a theme here. I think you might uh, right. There's a billboard gag with uh, Pooh and Promotion Easter Peeps with this slogan. They never go bad because they were never that good. I'm sure we've talked about how peeps are gross on this podcast many times, yeah. and yes, they are. And then we get a chalkboard gag that says if uh, Villanova doesn't win, again with the Villanova, we lose everything. I think they were, uh, Villanova was was 2016, right? Mm -hmm. They were like considered like the underachiever. Was that maybe, was that something like that? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, usually what, like like North Carolina and 
a lot of these teams for the NCAA. Again, we're not sportos. I don't pay attention to the uh, March Madness that goes on with college fo- uh, basketball. See, I almost called it football. Uh, <laughs> but I guess like they were uh, a uh, a formidable team that year, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then the year after, uh, or the day after this episode aired, they won their first uh, men's basketball championship on a buzzer beater. So, so the Simpsons predicted it. So really, what it was was the writers' room because I imagine they all had uh, brackets filled out. Totally. Everyone's staff, so everyone's like putting money on Villanova because that's what probably uh, you know all your commentators said to do, and they mm-hmm. made it made a huge uh, cash investment, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was the idea. Um, uh, Mrs. Probable, uh, Bart was telling there to uh, uh, vote on Villanova, vote on, <laughs> bet on. <laughs> I elect Villanova to make me some money. Uh, if it was that simple, if only. All right. So you end up Villanova talk for the day. I think we're good on Villanova talk. All right. Got a fun couch gag. Oh, yeah. It's Homer on his phone sending uh, text messages with the emojis of him and uh, Marge, Bart, Lisa and Maggie on the couch. And whoever he just sent it to, uh, whoever sent it to, uh, he gets a receipt, a text back saying, meh, I don't get it. And uh, needs a payoff. And as Homer sees these words, he starts to get uh, a little ticked off. And then not long later, the uh, created by Mac rating credit appears in the text message to which Homer says, oh, sorry. Yes, sir. Shortly after, there's a developed by James L. Brooks, Matt Grain, and Sam Simon. Credits appear like they always do. And Homer mm-hmm. asks, again, who are those guys? And he sees, receives another, meh. So uh, <laughs> who's Homer texting, Steve? Daddy Matt, I think. Maybe Rupert Murdoch? Could be. I guess we'll never know. I think this was a fun little couch gag. Yeah. I'd like my emojis to be all just Simpsonized emojis. They probably have an app for that, right? I'm sure they do, especially with uh, non-Apple phones, probably. Oh, you mean Nokia's? <laughs> yeah. Next to the snake icon. Uh, so our episode begins, as it always does, with Charles Montgomery Burns and Wayland Joseph Smithers Jr. about to skydive from a plane. They fly over Springfield, passing the Simpsons text, which is very fun. I loved it. Uh, we see it at the beginning of every episode. And then Smithers begs Burns to reconsider, but Burns tells him to stop his smithering before leaping out of the aircraft. Monty then passes out and his body goes limp causing his parachute to slip off of him. Waylon leaps into action, diving towards Monty, grabbing him. Unfortunately, Mr. Burns slips from uh, Spender's grasp, and he continues to fall towards the ground. This is very fun. This is like a James Bond opening. Exactly, yeah. In fact, it was a James Bond opening. They're kind of parodying... Uh, it was Roger Moore. Jaws was in I think it was the... It wasn't The Spy Who Loved Me, was it? No, because The Spy Who Loved Me... God, I haven't watched them in a while. Is, that, is it like he skies skydives into skis no 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 no. he's skydiving but jaws comes after him okay and jaws was only in moonraker so was it moonraker was it yeah it was the opening of moonraker okay yeah they're parodying moonraker nice arguably the uh best roger moore bond movie because uh a pigeon does a double take love it bond is riding around the streets of italy in a gondola it comes up from the the water to a, a gondola where he drives on the street and people are like what and even a pigeon does a double take <laughs> guys that was what bond was like in the 70s could you imagine the a double take in a daniel craig james bond movie? yeah <laughs> like he walks by and a cat rubs his eyes like <laughs> what Look, I know we're finished with the uh, Daniel Craig era of Bond. Can we just please go back to like the Roger Moore era type of James Bond movies? Like, give me, give me that. Yeah, let's have some fun. Yeah. In fact, let's, who would you cast as such, like a James Bond? Like, hmm. still like a British dude. Yeah. 
but you know, mostly a humorous like Matt Barry. Come on, come on, that's the that's the answer right there. Just have Matt Barry as James Bond. It would make hundreds of dollars. Bond James Bond. <laughs> Just from Steve and I right here. Like we yeah. would go to the theater Several every times. day. Yeah, <laughs> we would go. Yeah. Five times a week, mm-hmm. we go to like multiple theaters. Like we don't want to like see weird go to the same theater. We would go to every theater in in the in our area. Yeah, we'd singly single handedly uh, save the film industry. <laughs> Look, at least the theater industry. Yeah. You're going to save money by not hiring a big actor or, you know, you got Matt Barry because Mm -hmm. you got probably a triple threat. Not only will he act as Bond. Yeah. He'll probably do these own stunts. Not only that. And we'll also do the theme song. Exactly. So for sure, we got the theme song and him as James Bond. Yeah. And oh, triple threat. He'll write it Mm -hmm. and direct it. I don't know. Does he direct? I think he can direct. Yeah. Hey, Barbara Broccoli, we've established that you listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So please cast Matt Berry as James Bond, as writer, director, actor, songwriter. I mean, if he knows how to edit, make him the editor. Yeah. He could save so much money. Mm-hmm. All right. That's enough of our uh, <laughs> asking uh, Barbara Broccoli to cast Matt Berry as James Bond. So let's continue the uh, opening credits here, this Bond-esque theme. Uh, Monty is falling through some clouds of the skywriting that originally said, hey, will you marry me? Uh, but due to Burns, it uh, now reads, will you marry Mo? And on the ground, there's a man proposing to his potential bride. And then she sees the skywriting shrugs and Mo just like walks by and she's just like, all right, and takes Mo. And then Mo's like, comments like how easy uh, he's found love or at least marriage. Very funny. Uh, this yeah. opening was, was great. It's a good time. As uh, Burns continues his descent towards terra firma, Smithers grabs him and then deploys a rainbow-colored parachute with Monty's face on it. Smithers lands with Monty in his arms and smiles of comfort and relief. Mr. Burns takes credit for landing all by himself, then complains that Waylon is under his foot. Smithers uh, sees Burns take his helmet off and sees his balding gray hair blowing in the wind and decides to finally share his feelings. Mr. Burns coming down, I I thought we weren't going to make it. (laughs) And I thought I'd never get to say something I've always wanted to. The truth is, sir... I'm in love with... The sound of your own voice? Yes, well, no dog would I listening to the Nightingale trill her unending tune. Don't take this the wrong way, but you mean nothing to me. Someone I give less thought to than the little piece of popcorn stuck in my tooth. Oh, can you remove it? I'll see you back at the office. Don't be late. I've lived half of my life Living half of a life Waiting for you to 34 Can't you see the fire burning in my core? Wow. Poor Mr. Smithers. Poor Mr. Smithers. I like how uh, Burns stops him. He's like, yes, you talk too much. In that clip, Smithers walks down the corridor of the executive suite, and he passes by a number of paintings. And if you want to, we can go through. We have paintings such as... Oh, we got Vladimir Putin, the famous one, shirtless on horseback. Well, is that actually a painting? Like, was that just like a picture someone took? Or... I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a photograph. So he actually was like on horseback, shirtless? Yeah, for some reason. Uh, um, we have... Um, oh, a... uh, R.I.P. Uh, Putin. Yeah. I'm assuming by the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, we have a new descending a staircase by Duchamp. Uh, we got the Liberty leading the people by Daily Croix. I'm gonna say it. Mr. Burns has some nice tits. <laughs> uh, we have the uh, Grand Odalisque by Ingres. Hello, de la Croix by Gauguin. Les Demoiselles d'Avignon by Picasso. Oh, Queen March by uh, Giacometti. 
Uh, so Waylon continues to sing a sad song under a sign that says zero days without a heartbreak. He then sees a couple, both in hazmat suits, kiss passionately as a meltdown occurs. Aww. He, I know, it's so sweet. They're making out through the glass and everything. He then stands on a balcony above a contaminated stream. He sings about being decommissioned as a two-headed, six-eyed fish, also known as a double blinky, makes out with itself. Uh, Smithers finishes his song, saying that his heart is covered in burns. In an office above him, Monty but, watches. But not Mr. Burns. No, just Owie Burns. Yeah. He has heart burn. <laughs> Um, in an office above him, Monty watches, closing Venetian blinds, then accidentally opening them, and then quickly closing them again. Wayland breaks down, crying. So over in Sector 7G, Homer, Lenny, and Carl are bowling using inanimate carbon rods as bowling pins. Calling them Larry, Moe, and Curly Smithers tells the three to report to him. After the couple of Three Stooges-inspired gags, they meet Waylon. So, you like fun and games? Well, games can be fun, so uh, that's kind of redundant. Would you like to rethink the question? Ugh, here's a game for you. Properly stack and store those rods, then perform a complete turbine maintenance procedure. Routine maintenance? We never do that. Lots of us never get to do things. Yeah, we know. We heard your song. Ah. I love the uh, line of... Uh... Well, games can be fun, so uh, that's kind of redundant. It's true. We're going to have fun games. <laughs> like a free gift or athlete chaps. Or annoyed crumb boys. I like the bit there, too, when uh, Carl at the end was like, yeah, we know we heard you sing. Mm-hmm. So do you think that like when people break in song and dance is actually like real in the Springfield universe? I think so, because... Well, think about like when uh, Pooh lived with the Simpsons and uh, he sings his song and like yeah. Mark comments that, you know, he got done early. So, yeah, I think they can hear each other when they sing. And it's not uncommon for any character to break in, out into song from time to time. And it's socially acceptable. Yeah. That's a kind of fun world to live in. You know, if, is, you, yeah. if someone breaks out in song in, in our world, you know, <laughs> they'd probably get... Uh, sent to uh, a hospital it's true but also think about a world like do you really want like a karen singing about the disrespect they got at walmart <laughs> like that's not a big musical number i want to see like we're out of shopping carts this place smells like farts yeah yeah well steve you know what you got in your hand right there <laughs> what's that An award-winning broadway musical oh boy karen the musical mm-hmm. lynn manuel miranda i know you're listening <laughs> And work well, with me, man. Yeah, don't steal it, please. Just, you know, give us some credit. Just give us at least 49% of yeah. the share of the, the... So you have control. You have the mm-hmm. 51%. Just give us 49% of the profits. Also, I want lyric writing credits. <laughs> I mean, he just... Steve created the best one there. Yeah. yeah. We want executive producer credits, but like, you know, the fake kind where like they don't actually do anything. Right, right. We're looking at you, Dan Kesselnet on The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> You too, Although, Sam Simon. You haven't done anything for years. <laughs> no, I just uh, Dan. Dan writes episodes of this show. He does with his wife, who probably writes most of it. Mm-hmm. As um, long as I'm one step closer to my egot, I'm fine. Well, you already have your Oscar, right? And your Emmy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just need your Tony and uh, Grammy. Grammy. But yeah. who, who cares about that one? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, awards and acting. Over at Springfield Elementary, school editions for Casablanca are underway. A banner also reminds the students that you must remember this. Bring two pencils and a snack. Inside, we see our first uh, audition, Jacqueline Janie Jones. I think that's the first time we've heard her referred to as Jacqueline, trying out for the part of Ilsa. Superintendent Chalmers is excited to have a cool girl try out for the play, while Skinner's uh, sees an opportunity as her father owns a print shop, which means free four-color playbills. Wow, yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. 
Cheney's performance, Steve, if you notice, is kind of filled with some interesting choices, adding odd emphases on random words. Indeed. Skinner thinks. See, no, that's actually too good. Okay. Skinner thinks her scrunchie <laughs> may be too tight. All right, I'll stop. But, you know, Charles reminds him that uh, you can teach acting, but you can't teach popular. Uh, how do popular kids get popular? I'm trying to think. Like, we brought it up our childhood and like elementary mm -hmm. through you know k through 12 it's it's money isn't it like the the cool kids were always the rich kids yeah of course uh be rich and be attractive that's how you get popular all right remember that folks be rich and attractive and people will like you yeah it's only about the things that you own and the things that you look like i guess be funny because you could be popular and, and if you're funny and, and funny looking yeah it's true but like class clown but Usually the class clowns don't go on to be uh, funny in real life. No. I think they just go on to be like alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yeah, Steve and I were the class clowns. <laughs> so uh, despite uh, Seymour's apprehension, uh, Gary is adamant about uh, casting her, declaring that uh, he's settling down his clipboard to signify that all future auditions are just a formality. And then the next person trying for the role makes Gary change his mind. Lisa Simpson, reading for the part of Ilsa. Oh, the egghead pass. Hard pass. Can I tell you a story? It's about a girl who came to Paris and met a man. A very great and courageous man. She's good. Yes, better than Little Miss Print Shop. And there you are. Guess what? You've just been promoted a grade. <laughs> Everything she knew or ever became was because of him. And she looked up to him and worshipped him with a feeling she supposed was love. <sighs> That's it! I'll audition for Rick! Co-stars are always falling in love! Brad and Angelina, Kermit and Miss Piggy, Mrs. Brady and Greg... <laughs> the role of Ilsa goes to Lisa! Oh, yes! The role I was anagrammed to play! And since only one child auditioned for the lead role, I'm proud to announce Rick will be played by... I'm looking for a Don on his luck heel named Skinner. A couple things in that clip I really enjoyed. Yeah. I love the end with uh, Lisa. It was the anagram name mm -hmm. she was born to play. Very funny. I love Millhouse's references to Brangelina mm -hmm. and then Miss Piggy and Kermit. And then finally with Mrs. Brady and Greg Brady. Very hilarious. Yeah, that's a great uh, joke. If you guys don't know, and the Brady Bunch, uh, I think Greg Brady, the act, who's, who played Greg Brady? Uh should probably remember their names because you see them on the <laughs> opening credits all the time. Yeah, uh, every morning. Steve, you're up at 3.30 every morning watching <laughs> local air TV. Yep, and then I go back to bed for a few hours. Until uh, I Dream of Genie's on. Mm-hmm. Got to get that Hagman in. Yeah, uh, Greg Brady was played by Barry Williams. Barry Williams, yeah. So was it confirmed by both of them that they were, that him and Flores... Uh, uh, Maybe didn't date, but did go down to Bone Town. What's her name? Florence Henderson, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Florence Leachman. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> Cloris Leachman. <laughs> he didn't he have a thing with... Uh, Marsha Brady, too, was there? McCormick. Uh, Marie McCormick, yeah. Not, not Mary McCormick, but yeah. Marine. Marine McCormick, yeah. I don't think he uh, was with Eve Plum, right? Uh, uh, probably not, and probably not Ann B. Davis, either. Uh, what was uh, little Cindy, her name? Uh, but he was with Peter. Yeah, Susan Olsen was Cindy, and I think she was yeah. born. Was that a rumor? So, just to clarify, Susan Olsen, who played Cindy, did do porn, and she's paid 50 bucks for it. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so she actually provided uh, sound effects for the pornography for the film Love Probe from a Warm Planet. 
So she wasn't in it. She just provided sound effects. Yeah. Oh, hey, 50 bucks. I'll do that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Ooh, ooh. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, give me $50, Steve. Okay, fine. <laughs> now go make your adult snuff film. <laughs> no, I have to clarify that's an adult snuff film. <laughs> Which implies that you know a lot about child stuff films. I know nothing. The problem with child stuff films is the production because they're produced by children. It's not good. You can't <laughs> hold the camera up high. Like uh, Children's Workshop, Sesame Street? Yeah. Snuffleupagus gets films. That's what, we're ta- that's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh, Couldn't boy. Couldn't see him until the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, see, let's get back to that clip there. There was uh, three things I liked in that. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the third already. Okay. But we got uh, that Humphrey Bogart-looking kid. Huh? <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And seeing that Humphrey Bogart-looking kid, uh, Skinner and Chalmers gasp with delight, and Milhouse groans with disappointment, and groundskeeper Lily uh, hammers blindly, evidently filled with what seems to be, to me, horny blood. Yeah, what was that? It was just a weird, like, <laughs> like maybe oh. do, the, do the Scots, like, uh, revere Humphrey Bogart as, like, some sort of god, maybe? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that connection, but I think that's probably exactly what it is. Scots love their bogey. Mm-hmm. That's why they invented golf. Oh, there you go. Wow. You did it, Steve. You connected the dots. There you go. The kid's name is Jack DeForest, and with a lollipop in his hand like a cigarette, he introduces himself, saying that of all the schools in the districts, he had to get transferred to this one. So Skinner gives Jack the part and makes Millhouse the understudy. But Millhouse is upset as the board contains both under and study, which are both horrible. That name Jack DeForest is a really cool name. It's a good name. I mean, the only DeForest I know is uh, DeForest Kelly, who played Bones on uh, Star Trek. Steve, let's bring DeForest back. Yeah, let's, because, uh, because it's been chopped down enough. Right. We got to save DeForest. Yeah. But yeah, DeForest now sounds like a conservative asshole's name. <laughs> this is my son, Braxton, trailer, <laughs> and DeForest. He's got his uh, gut filled and Tucker Carlson DVR'd every night. Yeah. Oh, gut filled. Oh, man. <laughs> every time I go through the cable listings and I see. <laughs> His show got filled with an explanation point. Mm-hmm. I think it says Garfield. I'm like, oh, Garfield's on. <laughs> it's so like, disappointing. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was watching the uh, the big game on a television set, and I really don't like how it's uh, uh, owned by Fox broadcasting yeah. it. And uh, again, not a political podcast, but seeing like Gutfield commercials or uh, other things for like their f- and then their uh, their streaming service like Fox Nation. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> like wow, this app is literally geared to boomers. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. this is the most boomer app I've ever seen. <laughs> and then there's this TV show I was, like, kind of curious about, but now I don't know if I want to watch it because it's on Fox Nation, which I'm not going to subscribe to. But it's, like, the history of beer, but it's got, like, George Went and uh, right. Kevin Nealon, jo- uh, John Lovitz, uh, Jim Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, right? You know, just a history of beer with, like, uh, five, uh, I guess, SNL. I mean, George Went has a connection with SNL. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about beer. Old old white guy boomers, but I'm thinking like I know it's not political, but yeah, I know you don't want just, to watch it now. I just feel like Fox Nation did the disservice of creating such a side to the American culture mm-hmm. that people that might want to watch the show, but this the connotations of you have like Tucker Carlson, who you know is a parody of himself, like uh, mm-hmm. how Stephen Colbert was a parody of uh, well, essentially a parody of Fox News, the Colbert Report on Comedy Central. Yeah. So I don't know is it, is. It, yeah, I don't know. Should we just uh, illegally download uh, the show? <laughs> That's probably the best move because... Let's just tell our illegal intentions on this podcast. Right. Hey, everybody, we're committing crime. No, I don't know. 
I have too many things to watch. I I'll, I'll listen to another podcast if they talk about it. But yeah, you know, I like those guys in general. Um, I mean, I like Kevin Nealon and George Went and yeah. uh, Dan and uh, Dan Love Aykroyd. Is probably, oh, yeah, uh, Love is uh, Love is probably fine too. Maybe I and know. Belushi grows some good weed, right? Sure. Yeah. Doesn't Belushi own uh, pot farms here in Oregon? I do believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So why is he yeah. talking about beer? Talking about weed, man. Yeah, man. Hey, all I'm saying is if we do an IOF screen photo on that, we could probably get uh, one of them on the podcast to talk about their show, promote it. That's true. So you can get your George Wett signature, Steve. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to help you right, out. Right, right. Yeah, of course. I know. <laughs> he has to sign the uh, NDA. Saying, <laughs> the NDA for a podcast. Don't tell anybody you did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, we'd be like, George, look, I know you know him and he's really popular. We just really would like him on the show. I'd be like, stop you there. I'm not going to tell my nephew, Jason Sudeikis, <laughs> to do this podcast. Like, no, no, no. We're talking about uh, Ratzenberg. We, we really want him to be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no problem. He's my Uber guy. I'll just tell him when he picks me up. Hey, uh, Georgie. <laughs> no, uh, George went with no, uh, uh, Ratzenberger was on episode two of uh, Poker Face. That's right. He was. He was great. Yeah. Ah, again, uh, besides Simpson, Simpsons, uh, Poker Face, best show ever. Yeah. Wonderful show. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> let's go back to the uh, Simpsons and back to the nuclear power plant. Homer and Carl are shooting air into a piece of equipment when uh, Lenny arrives, complaining of his hair being wet from a decontamination shower. Uh, Carl happily uses his hose mm. to blast Lenny's face with air. Ah. Yeah. Smithers uh, checks in, to, in on their work, only to have the machinery fall to pieces. And Smithers angrily tells Homer, Lenny, and Carl to get the machine working and screw it in tight. And then Homer's like, uh, using both screws? Just like that. It's like <laughs> only two screws. Yeah. Um, and then in this clip, uh, Smithers is taking his anger out on them. And then uh, Lenny, he's got a good idea. He's chewing our ass because he's unhappy. What are we going to do here? I know the answer. We have got to get that guy a woman. A woman who can find him a man. Okay, guys, to get Smithers off our backs, I'm going to find him a boyfriend on this. Homer, I'm a long-haul trucker who's home straight and highway gay, but uh, how do you know about Grinder? My wife put me onto it. I was looking for an app for pepper grinders, and I found this. Uh, doesn't Smithers dig Burns? Yeah, but Burns doesn't want Smithers. Isn't it sad, Marge, when somebody really, 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 really wants somebody, and they're sitting across the bar from you married to Homer? Mo, this is why I don't come here much. Oh, yeah, you're right, Marge. I, I, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was that clip I was saying about Lenny saying we need to find a woman to find, mm -hmm. to find a man. That was good. Uh, I just love the thought of Marge thinking there's an app for pepper grinders. Right. So they don't delete it from the phone. <laughs> Keep it on there just in case. <laughs> just in case. And then Mo being creepy. Yeah. You know, Mo's a bartender, right? Mm -hmm. He's pours Marge's wine very. Uh, he gives her an ignorant pour. That's a full pour. It's a very heavy pour. Yeah. Do you think it's because most people don't order wine at Mo's, or is he just trying to get her a little slosh so that she might move on to uh, Mo's advances? You know, that's probably uh, the latter. Even though it's pretty gross for him, but yeah. How, how do you? But also, pour... I'm guessing that people don't order wine at the bar. <laughs> I'd be afraid of what that wine is. Yeah. Like, it's definitely aged, but we don't know if it's actually aged wine. And I think it has Moe's face on the bottle, too, because I think it's like <laughs> Chateau de Moe. Oh, wow. So it's yeah. like, I'm guessing like, you know, 
when you're pouring drinks into the uh, into the little mat as a bartender, like the bar mat, and mm-hmm. they he pours the all the drippings into a jug at the end of the night, and he calls that wine. Ew. There is a term for that Could too. Be, yeah, that uh, bartenders use like after shifts, like they uh, the they I forget what they call it. Like they all take a shot of it or something. Because majority all, all your well, yeah, well, what you're doing is you're you're just drinking up all the, the excess alcohol that gets dripped into it, and hopefully you clean those the, the night right. before, and no one spits on it. But yeah, maybe people. Yeah, that sounds really gross. Why would you do that, bartender? It does sound really gross. I don't know. Um, you're gonna try that, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, how do you pour your wine at home? Do you give yourself an ignorant pour? Um, or you just drink it from the bottle? <laughs> yeah, no, not anymore. Um, I, I do about three fingers. But then you're like, after you drink a little bit more, like, eh, it could be four, not five. Yeah. Sometimes I'll top it off. Yeah. That'll be like the size of your body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know when I'm at work how to pour wine and right. you know, I can do five ounce pour without even thinking about it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, at home, I... Uh, might give myself a little treat, by which I mean masturbate when I drink some wine. <laughs> is it red? Is it white? Well, <laughs> let's find out. Hopefully one's red, the other's white. If not, All right. see doctor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Steve, Homer is happy to finally have a use for the internet. Finding Smithers a boyfriend. And so Homer swipes left at the first guy, then the second one who has a pet iguana, then a third who is showing off his abs while seductively holding a, a banana. Now Homer finds that one to be too smoldering. And then he finds Grizzly Sean to be too lumberjack. And then we get Sulu himself, George Takei, shows up on the app who states that if you click him, he'll boldly go to yogurt land with him. But be aware, he doesn't care for people who are, who are uh, a little Klingon-y. It's <laughs> a very dumb, fun joke. Uh, Homer then sees another profile who looks uh, like him and swipes right. Marge suggests that they invite several men to a party and see who uh, Smithers likes. Just then, the man who looks like Homer, is wearing a little scarf and a little uh, fedora, walks in asking if somebody swiped on him. And Homer gives this attractive new friend $5 and tells him to visit Abe at the uh, Springfield Retirement Castle. So the I looked online and the appearance of that character is just listed as Homer's lookalike. But in previous episode, we had a comic book gays, hum, comic book guys, gay counterpart, comic book gay. So I think that that character's name should be Gay Incognito. I will disagree. I think it should just be, it's actually Guy Incognito. Oh. Yeah. It's, that's it's my theory. Along. I, okay. was, I just think it's Guy Incognito. And we don't have to categorize his sexual preferences. I like that name. even more. Yeah. So from here on out, we've had two Appearances from Guy Incognito. That's right. I love it. Uh, so at the Android's dungeon and baseball card shop, Bart and Milhouse are bargaining with Comic Book Guy, saying that if he pays a half-page ad in the program, uh, Sam will play as time goes by with Hulk hands. As Jeff Albertson agrees, uh, Milhouse grows depressed at the thought of watching Lisa and Jack fall in love. Comic Book Guy returns dressed as Hello Kitty, uh, surprised that the boys are still in the comic book shop. Bart tells Milhouse that if anything happens to Jack, the part would be his. Milhouse doesn't really pick up what Bart's putting down, but uh, back at school, Lisa praises her scene partner's work, while uh, Springfield Elementary's greatest actor stays in character. Jack, you're amazing. You're blowing away everyone else in the play. (laughs) You despise me, don't you? If I gave you any thought, I probably would. I'll be in my trailer. This isn't Fiji water. 
Yo, Dingus, someone doesn't want you in that play. Who let you three gorillas out of the zoo? Ha 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 ha, gorillas. It's not funny. How to get the bullies to take out Jack? The most powerful bribe in the world. A free full page ad in the play program. The funny thing about fish, everyone oh. gets them, but not everyone gets the instruction <sighs> manual. Oh no! His mouth wrote checks his fists could cash! <gasps> Someone is using the go-round for non-merry purposes. Attention, in Casablanca, the part of Rick Blaine will not be played by Millhouse. When I was watching the episode, I was like thinking, like, ah, oh, I know I see a uh, um good old Ralph in in the on the stage, hoping that uh mm-hmm. they would give him the lead part, you know, because he's supposed to be the best actor. And then him showing up being cast as uh Peter Laurie's character of Ugarte mm-hmm. was very brilliant. I just like yeah. Like and then he does like the the famous like one of the famous lines from the episode or from Casablanca, but I was I just went and rewatched uh, that scene from Casablanca. And how much does Pierre Laurie actually look like an adult version of Ralph? <laughs> like yeah, it's so true. Ralph is like we we'll have to do like a side by side comparison of Ralph and Pierre Laurie in Casablanca, but that's that's Ralph's future. He's gonna be like one of the best character actors of all time. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was a very fun uh, parallel between Ralph and Peter Laurie. Yeah. Um, I also really liked uh, um, Skinner saying that the go around is being used for non-merry purposes. Fun line. <laughs> yeah. Is that like the double negative merry go around? No, not at all. <laughs> Close. Get there. <laughs> How do you, you know, for a kid's production and play, like this one would be one I'd want to go see. Yeah. It seems like the idea of the kid's in Casablanca. Huh. Yeah, it's fun. It's also like a good, like kind of classic Simpsons episode referencing a classic like movie. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take a moment? Um and sit right there to tell you how you became the fresh prince of a town called Portland. That's right. Okay. Uh so this is gonna take a just a sec, but um a friend of the show, Kate, will sometimes post things that they are listening to on that she's listening to on uh on the streetcar. She calls it the streetcar soundtrack. And it shows up on my Instagram feed, but in my head, I only think about a streetcar named Desire because in my head, it's a musical because of The Simpsons. <laughs> right. And so when every time it shows up as a streetcar, I was like, oh, I think about Marge singing about Othello and she, his name is Stella. And so, yeah, that's all. Look, when we were kids, when that episode came out, I had never seen Streetcar. So I just assumed that probably was a musical. <laughs> right. Exactly. Until, like, you're in. Uh, high school uh, film class and like where's the music at <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like i can't believe the simpsons lied to me <laughs> fooled by a cartoon yet again yeah um so then skinner then takes a moment to inform the students that the, the cafeteria is out of buns so for hamburgers they'll be using two slices of day old toast so it's like already been toasted it's not just bread like right uh it's the worst so they're just croutons now like yeah basically herdy bread Owie bread. Owie bread, yeah. But like when he takes a bite of it too, he's just like the disappointment on his face. Mm-hmm. So uh, on stage, Milhouse is having a difficult time remembering his lines. He then qu- questions the uh, uh, the phrase, I can't follow. Milhouse then takes issue with a source material, wondering why Nazis would respect letters of transit signed by De Gaulle. This is very funny to me. Yeah, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Back at 742 Evergreen Terrace, a party with no agenda, as indicated by the banner outside, is taking place. 
All of Springfield's hottest gay men are in attendance. Uh, Lenny is impressed with Marge's hard work, noting that even the cheese is perfectly cubed. Well, Marge gets queasy when a cube is cut on a bias. So uh, then Smithers arrives at the party and instantly knows what's going on. Oh, Mr. Smithers! Come in, come in, come in! Can I get you a Tom Collins? Hello, Tom Collins. I see what's going on here. Fix up your boss so he won't be so hard on you. Well, nice try. I want a vodka tonic, and then I'm going to leave. Mr. Collins, would you be charmed by horror stories of working with Bill Shatner? Uh, who? I like you already. You know what? I don't think that attitude is the real you. I believe you have a pinched nerve in your neck. And guess what? You're in luck. Because I give great massage. Sorry, not interested. Wow! Wow. How did you do that? Would you like to discuss that over Peruvian tapas? Simpson, I'm stealing your bartender. Take the next couple days off. Woohoo! Three-day bender! <laughs> Are there any gay-themed songs about celebrating? A three-day bender? That's what I do when I watch Futurama. <laughs> In all three days. Yeah. How did they get uh, George Takei there? the party that's that's a big get it is i mean he evidently is a resident of springfield and you like uh, when he's like let me tell you about uh how insufferable or whatever bill shatner was <laughs> like they doesn't know who he was <laughs> yeah <laughs> also by this time i think uh i think george might have been married to his partner brad so is he cheating no. on him oh, i know no. i just know the history no he says oh my steve not oh no oh oh yes <laughs> I know the history of George because he was on Howard Stern forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would he'd be on Howard Stern a lot and they'd bring up his husband and life well, his life partner. Yeah, he was with he's been with him for a long time. I don't know why we're talking about George, but yeah, here we go. That's cool. I know stupid facts about Star Trek actors. <laughs> That's okay. We both know stupid shit about the Simpsons. So. I brought up DeForest Kelly and now George. Let's see if I know if any uh, Walter Caning stuff comes up. We'll find out. Okay. Oh, I like the Tom Collins joke. That was fun. Oh, the right, right, Tom right. Collins. Yeah. yeah, Tom Collins is a great drink. Yeah, and uh, it was like one of my first uh, like bar drinks when I you know don't know what to order when you're 21, mm-hmm. and I would get Tom Collins, but I didn't like gin, so I'd get vodka. So I'd get vodka Collins. Yeah, that's uh, it's a sophisticated drink for like a 21 year old, I think. Yeah, not overly sweet. It's it's got a good balance. Yeah, it's a good summer drink. I, I love a Collins in the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, so then Homer makes the joke of, uh, are there any gay themed songs about celebrating? But they just decided to play Celebration, which is like the worst song yeah. ever by Cool and the Gang. Cool and the Gang. They're great. They're a uh, great band, but that song just yeah. sucks. It's, it's amazing suck. how, yeah. It, uh, it's just because it's overplayed so much. Right. Um, check out their earlier stuff from the 70s, like their more funky stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, that song just overplayed and so cheesy. Yeah. Stop playing at uh, weddings and funerals. And proms. Unless you're Al Gore, you can't play it. <laughs> oh, you mean this one? Well, this calls for a celebration. I will. So Burns rings a rope to summon Smithers to his bed chambers and uh, receives no reply. And Wayne's at Luigi's with uh, Julio and ignores his uh, on his smartphone or smartwatch there. It just says urgent yank. <laughs> I get those alerts. <laughs> yeah, I love an urgent yank alert. Uh, then, you know, in this uh, montage, uh, Julio and uh, Waylon are running together, jogging. And uh, Waylon remembers running with Monty hanging on uh, a baby carrier at around Smithers' chest. 
<laughs> um, and the licensing office, so you see Dewey Largo and Grady receive uh, what seems to be a marriage license, right? So uh, yeah. Grady and Largo are married. But I thought then, that Dewey Largo was married to another we'll, we'll break into it. Okay, okay, okay. And then Julio and Whalen are next in line to get their license to seemingly get married. But no, Steve, it was the licensing for fishing. Oh. Yeah. Uh, very funny joke, I thought. Um, they top off the evening with a champagne at Burns's desk. And then in this clip the following morning, Monty finds his champagne flute in his stuffed polar bear's paw. And Whalen enters the office fluttering with joy. Smithers, where have you been? I'm dictating my autobiography. Chapter one, a commotion at the telegraph office. I'm afraid I have other plans. There are no other plans. Now, take my picture for the back cover. No, sir, I don't think I will. In fact, what I'm going to do is quit. Oh my god, I did it. I actually quit. No one quits me. One more button. You're forgetting who installed this system. Ahoy, hoy. All right, before we get to your complaint about trapdoors, uh, uh-huh. I thought the <laughs> the picture of, of Burns, like for oh, his yeah. back cover, is just a picture of him holding a gun to the globe. <laughs> like, I love it. The most like threatening pose of all time. <laughs> I'm going to kill I, the world. <laughs> if you don't like me or listen to me. It's, uh, no, I hope Elon Musk doesn't see uh, this episode because he's going to want that as his the cover yeah. of his. Hey, now again, not a political podcast talking about the big game. They like went over to a picture of Musk with Rupert Murdoch in in a box sitting together watching the game. So if mm-hmm. you want to know the state of who Elon Musk is, it's right there, guys. Yeah. Not a political podcast. That's who that man is with Rupert Murdoch there. Two yeah. of the most vile human beings on this planet. True. And uh, so, yeah. again, not a political podcast, just a. Uh, uh, you know, eat the rich, right? That's right. Eat the rich. Billionaires should exist. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> really. Yeah. Babies with no shoes on their feet. Yeah. Steve is right. Uh, billionaires should not exist. Uh, trillionaires, if you get to it, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Until it's not. <laughs> Steve, what's the, is millionaire the only, this is the richest you should get? Yeah. Really, I think really $1 million in today's climate isn't that much money. Yeah. You know, you and I will never see it. But... No, but yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not like an insane amount of money anymore. No, no. Like a million dollars is how much like eggs are at the supermarket. Am I right? I mean, are you, you right? <laughs> yes, uh, you are. Is, is uh, making fun of egg prices pretty dated by now? Uh, I don't know. It's, they're probably even more expensive by this time. So, okay, cool. I'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, the door gag, uh, you know, I don't love a door gag anymore, but I think that this one is kind of fun. <laughs> Just because oh, there it. are multiple ones and the reveal of Burns falling. I don't know. It was fine. I just I just think it's like a little bit too often referenced. Are the only door gags you like are the ones where uh, you have Jim Morrison tied up in a chair, bound and gagged? That's right. And Ray Manzanerik and uh, Robbie Dens- Densmore and uh, uh, who am I missing? Densmore, Manzanerik, Krieger. Krieger, yeah. Yeah, okay. There we go. Uh, the Four Doors. They were just one more than three down. <laughs> Put the joke together. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Yes. It's like a Lego of jokes. <laughs> Maybe they're going to sedan or sedan because they had four doors. It's the Lego of jokes, meaning uh, throw it on the ground, but don't step on it because it will hurt you. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, um. So 
The following day, Lenny is asking Mr. Burns for time off to attend his sister's funeral. Monty laughs, telling Smithers' uh, replacement, Lindsay Nagel, to release the hounds. Lindsay's confused, as uh, she would be criminally viable if the dogs tore him to, into shreds. Uh, Monty repeatedly says, release, 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 which uh, Lindsay finds to be vaguely sexual. She threatens to file a grievance and then checks on the treatment of the hounds. Three members of PETA declare that they're going to have to shut down the makeshift kennel. The dog master mentions his lack of health insurance and the fact that he may have rabies. Miss Nagel asks to be asked to uh, speak to the head of HR, but the dog master turns out to be the head of HR. It's fun seeing Lindsay Nagel with a new job. Yeah. And, you <laughs> like know, her. a little bit of backbone, too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, she's like, wait, this, uh, this is a problematic uh, gig. Yeah. And the uh, I just like how her name says, hello, my name is Smithers, Smithers replacement. replacement. Yeah. Uh, if we did T-shirts, that would be a good one to have. Like the my name is. Yeah. What? My name is. What? My name is who? Chicka Chicka Slim Shady. No, Wayne Brady. Chicka Chicka Wayne Brady. Yeah. All right, so at uh, Luigi's, Waylon cuts up the meat on Julio's plate, just like he did for Mr. Burns. And Luigi's like, like, what are you doing that for? So he tells them to forget about Monty, saying that he left Italy 40 years ago. But you don't see him crying in his... Uh... Yeah, that thing that uh, Luigi said. Mm -hmm. Julio asks Waylon what he saw in Mr. Burns, and Smithers just looks off in the distance. Remember the time he and Monty flew together, just like Leo DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett did in the 2004 film The Aviator. Back at the restaurant, Waylon tells Julio that he's totally there for him. Julio invites Waylon to his homeland of Cuba, where his accent is perceived to be less uh, ridiculous. Uh, we then see a map showing Springfield in the center of the U.S. and red lines heading southeast form as Cuban music plays. Uh, Smithers begins to un feel unsure of his decision, and we see that they are still in the restaurant, and Julio was drawing the lines on the map, which I thought was a fun gag. It's like Indiana Jones when he yeah. travels. <laughs> Smithers but agrees to go to Havana, saying that he'll have the time of his life. All right, Simpsons nerds, you just wrote Smithers in the middle of America, mm -hmm. but it kind of looks like Colorado, doesn't it? It does. And uh, isn't Colorado one of the four corner or five corners? No, five, the four corner states. Maybe. Because, <laughs> uh, no, it's not. No, it's, no it's Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, and the other one. Marianne and the professor. Yeah. That's right. And the rest. Yeah, it is a fun gag. Because was that that was an old trope in in old serials, right? Mm -hmm. That's why, where George Lucas lifted that bit. I was gonna say, or was uh, George Lucas just a huge fan of Family Circus and <laughs> and Billy's antics throughout the uh, cartoon panel? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the original uh, concept of the Crystal Skulls were they not me ghost from Family Circus? Uh, I think we were. Eh, no, that would have been better. <laughs> Again, not a Indiana Jones podcast. Not yet. It'd be a really easy one, Steve. We only had four movies well plus one coming soon and then i guess you'd have to do the young indiana jones tv show but even then that wouldn't take too long no we'll call it a it belongs in a museum <laughs> okay <laughs> so back at the simpsons kitchen lisa is crying telling uh marge that this is the worst actor she's ever seen she then shows marge the headshot which features millhouse as a hayseed farmer a nerdy bookworm a man with a mustache and a dutch milkmaid the marge offers some advice to lisa Whenever I'm dealing with someone who isn't doing a great job, what I do is treat them like they're perfect. Really? If they sense you believe in them, they'll get better. Did our taxes, Marge? The government owes us two million dollars. That is really, really great. But maybe you should check again. What? Oh, wait. My mistake. We owe them $37. That's some nice adding. Yeah.
And I kind of like about that joke was that it was a joke, but it wasn't a dumb joke. Like Homer coming mm-hmm. in and say they owe us $2 million. And you think the punchline is like, oh, we owe them $2 million. Right. But the fact that it was just $37, like a, a, a very affordable amount <laughs> to yeah, own the no. taxes. And also Homer's probably right, too. Like they probably do just own like 37 bucks. Yeah, it's a fun joke. I like it a lot. Yeah. So in Cuba, aside reads, our Castro district is much different than yours, <laughs> referring to the uh, LBGTQI plus uh, friendly neighborhood in San Francisco. Haven't they and done that joke before? Yes. Um, in the trillion dollar episode where they're negotiating, Fidel Castro says, my name, my district is named after what? Or they use my oh, name yeah. for what? Yeah. So Smithers enjoys a vibrant street life in Havana. Finally, a Simpsons character in Cuba. I feel like we've gone to Cuba a few times. <laughs> Aside from the one that you just referenced, uh, there's one where Grandpa was in there when he's in the military. I don't remember which armed force. That and might then I think they like went a future episode from this day. Yeah, that's true. And then they went to Cuba to get drugs or medicine, I think, too. Yeah. When they didn't go to Canada. So Cuba's on the mind of the Simpsons writers, I feel like. Anyway. Look, James Bond also went to Cuba. So let's bring it back to James Bond. <laughs> okay. A couple of times. <laughs> So Barbara Broccoli also enjoys Cuba. Well, this is more Ian Fleming, I think. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sadly, not with us anymore. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Smithers is uh, happy to have to be free of his old life when Julio, dressed as the buzzard of death, reminds Smithers of Monty. Julio is incensed and replies with, I'm sorry, sir. Julio is upset that everything reminds Balaam of Monty. Why, even the mural, which shows uh, Monty being forced out of Cuba along with a United Banana and a bottle of Buzz Cola, reminds Boylan of Mr. Burns. Steve, is that uh, mural related to anything? Uh, yeah, I believe it's uh, the mural Norte de Els Burns, Death to Mr. Burns, is a reference to the real world Julia Batista mural from 1959. Still wearing the same outfit to this day, Mr. Burns. Classic styles never go out of style. <laughs> yeah. Julio says he wants 100% commitment, but uh, when a hunky shirtless man walks by, Julio thinks maybe 20 is enough. You know, it's also the same percentage you need to keep your uh, cell phone in the green. And uh, Julio wants to know, is is he in the green? And Smithers sighs, saying that, you know, Julio's not in the green. And so he, Julio, just dances away, putting his uh, horrendous Mr. Burns buzzard mask <laughs> and to hide his tears. <sighs> Steve, do you keep your phone in the green? Oh, yeah. I am anal about it, actually. It I am scares too. me in time. Yeah. Like, I know cell phones are cordless, but my phone is usually attached to a cord at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you never know when you need a full charge to call an emergency or something. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it's completely founded, but yeah, if it gets below like 40%, I start to get nervous. Because, I mean, you're traveling public transportation from work to home. You need mm-hmm. it to listen to music or podcasts. Right. So that takes a lot of drain out. And it depends if you've downloaded the podcast. If you're streaming, it just takes up more battery. Plus, exactly. you're probably also browsing the internet while you're listening. Mm-hmm. So you and- need those that power and it's on my watch now but for the longest time my transit card was on my phone too mm, all right so that means that if i didn't have the power like he-man <laughs> i couldn't get on the bus because i don't if i didn't have cash on me i wouldn't know i wouldn't have a way to pay for the for my ticket let's go back to springfield where uh, monty is having troubles of his own everyone who's replaced smithers has been nothing but trouble you're my lawyers tell me what to do sir i think your only option is to get mr smithers back you'll have to give him money lots of money but it won't be enough yes i can absolutely yes i suppose what this calls for is a personal apology straight from my heart have it on my desk first thing tomorrow 
and write yourselves apologies from me to you for making you work late. And they'd better sound sincere. Scary. I know. Threatening. The way a boss should be. That's right. You gotta win their love with fear. So Casablanca is now playing at Springfield Elementary, and tomorrow night is the AM kindergarten performance of Equus. Uh, backstage, Lisa tells Milhouse. Sorry, it's just really yeah. funny that Equus at kindergarten, like there's nudity, right? Right. So here's the two things I know, or three things I know about Equus. It's erotic play involving horses somehow. They show Dong and Harry Potter was in it. <laughs> so that, that there's an erotic play that the kindergartners are doing. Right. Uh, let's hope uh, the groundskeeper Willie's not there, apparently, because he yeah. likes kids now. Yeah, we're canceling you, buddy. Yeah. That's why I say, you know, never never trust the uh, Scots. That's right. Bayo, Bacula, Thompson. Yeah. Tape. Wait, that's Scotch. Oh, whiskey. Yeah. Never mind. You can trust the Scotches. Yeah. Just not the Scots. Ackerman. Um, So backstage, Lisa tells Milhouse that he's going to be great. Milhouse replies that he already is because Lisa just told him so. As the play begins, Nelson, playing as Captain Renault, uh, asks Milhouse's Ricky where he came to uh, Casablanca. As they go on, their state banter impresses both the audience and Super Nintendo Chalmers, who compares him to a young <laughs> Noah Wiley. In between scenes, the banner changes and we see that tomorrow's <laughs> night is Top Gun the Opera, so I guess the erotic dong showing horseplay was performed by five-year-olds was canceled which is probably for the best <laughs> yeah. and then in this clip leaks and millhouse then have their final big scene if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with them you'll regret it maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of your life you did it marge this earns my highest praise get throughable Milhouse, you were incredible. Maybe that's because... I'm not Milhouse. <gasps> oh, but is Milhouse okay? Is Milhouse ever okay? Good point. <laughs> now let's go to the soda fountain and ask the jerk for a float with two straws. What year are you from? <laughs> oh, who cares? That's Dan Castle doing the, the Bogart, right? Yeah. That's good. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonder what he did to Millhouse. <laughs> I was wondering the whole time, like, well, where was Millhouse at in this whole thing? And, like, you didn't see him off, off stage or anything. I mean, we know that he's tough because he beat up the bullies. Yeah. Maybe from here on out, like, Millhouse doesn't, he whacked Millhouse and, and he just will be Millhouse. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to see this production of uh, Casablanca with the kids. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. It does. <laughs> uh, Luigi's base in vain. That's very special for the reunion of Mr. Burns and uh, Smithers. The most special thing any chef can make. Uh, one cheese pizza. That's right. Just ask Kevin McAllister in the back of that limo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Burns tells Waylon that he came over as soon as he could using something called Uber, which he assumed would be a Thermark staffed car, but it turned out to be a Prius driven by a <laughs> woman. Uh, I was just naming Tandy Burns there, guys. I was grossed yeah. up by so Burns then uh, pulls a bundle of uh, paper out of a coat pocket. It's everything. It'll, it'll get to uh, win Smithers over, right? There's a heartfelt apology written, of course, by the lawyers, a check for a million dollars, and then a lifetime Broadway pass. And then Monty notices that the Starbucks card is missing. Then Waylon points out in this clip that it doesn't matter. Sir, before you start, let me say I don't want money, and I don't want some letter written by your lawyers. I want to know why you want me back. I see. Well... The thing is, 
You really care about me, don't you? Maybe a little, still. All right, Smithies. There's one thing I've never given you. I kept it bottled up inside all these years. And here it is. Your performance review. <gasps> it's excellent. Amazingly, that's enough. Thank you, sir. What a nice uh, moment. Yeah, very sweet. But he was out a million dollars and the Broadway, like, <laughs> lifetime that's, pass to a Broadway. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, a lot of money. It's more than a million dollars. Yeah. Does it mean, like, is it like he could just go to any performance he wants to? It's what it seemed to be, yeah. Wow. But it's probably Springfield's version of Broadway, so it's like, <laughs> you're not even getting, like, the road performers from Hamilton. You're getting, like, the high school version of actors right yeah you're getting definitely like the c team like the local dinner theater group you're getting sideshow mel yeah and bubblebee man mm-hmm. maybe kim brockman trying to flex yeah. his muscles oh uh helen lovejoy mm-hmm. maybe sarah wiggum doesn't she do those yeah i think so yeah. okay well you know I, i'd enjoy watching any of the screenfieldites uh actors <laughs> yeah it's always fun all right so, well uh, uh a story solved a story solved uh b story solved too kind of yeah. then it's over yeah but it's not because millhouse opens the door to most tavern oh so he's not dead luckily no okay we saved him I don't know what we did, but we saved him. Okay. Uh, saying that he heard that, so he opens the door to Moe's, saying that he heard that they serve 10 year olds. Uh, Moe says that they're referring to the age of the pickled eggs, then offers Millhouse some milk. Hmm. Millhouse uh, then sits next to Smithers at the bar, asking, Why do guys do such stupid things when it comes to dames? Moe then mentions that weird Bogart kid, saying that they came around to enlist him in a gold finding expedition. Moe is set to get the mules for the trip. Waylon then shares his truth with Millhouse. Uh, before we play the clip, uh, he said uh, 10-year-old pickled eggs. That's pretty bad. I just looked up to make sure that uh, uh, allow eggs to cure for one to two weeks for best flavor. Eggs should be eaten within three to four months. So eat your pickled eggs within <laughs> three to four months. So those eggs are pretty bad. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I've never had a pickled egg, and I have no intention to eat one. I am in the same camp. Uh, they sound gross to me. I'm one of those... Like, I'm always on the fence with hard-boiled eggs. Like, I'll eat it, but I'm always weary about them. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because if you overcook them, then then you're gassy and they smell. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer more of an undercooked one anyways. Me too. And That's then all. sometimes eggs are just weird. Like, where I yeah. don't want at all. Yeah. Like, if you're cooking them intending to eat them, they're fine. But if someone else is cooking them and Ugh, you're not it's eating it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's up there for like, the worst smells, I think. Yeah. Just the yeah. idea. Yeah. All right. Um, so Steve's promised us a clip and Steve's going to deliver. Steve, deliver us uh, from clips. Here you go. Let me tell you about dames, Millhouse. I know nothing about them. But as for love, what keeps you going is the thrill of the chase, the possibility that one day you might get what you want, even though the reality is you probably never will. That's why I don't chase dames, just gold. I'll be back in six months with one third of the biggest treasure you ever saw. Mm-hmm. Good advice, Smithers. Um, we do have like not really an end credits. It's just a, a nice homage to Sierra Madrid. Uh, Mo, Jack, and Willie travel on a mule to visit a Taco Pronto, which offers good deal. Three tacos for a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd buy that for a dollar. Mo then uh, robs his treasure hunting partners at gunpoint. He's then hanged by a noose standing on Jack's shoulders, reminiscent of a Once Upon a Time in the West. And then Jack and Lisa are traveling down the river on the African Queen while Milhouse tries to screw a hole in the boat. And that's the episode. To be clear, he's trying to create a hole in the boat. He's not <laughs> fucking the boat. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I hope the listeners choose my words in whatever way they want to. Yeah, it just sounds like Millhouse is talking about. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, uh, that's uh, how the episode ends, Steve. All righty. Well, uh, I say that we hop on uh, an African... Nope, it's going to sound weird. <laughs> it sounds weird if you don't finish the sentence. <laughs> I was going to say we hop on an African queen, but that's okay. horrible. How about we just uh, stand on a little boy with a noose around our neck? That sounds much better. All right. <laughs> All righty, Craig. Uh, let's say we take a break and uh, we'll come back and talk about this episode. What do you say? Sure. We'll be right back. Craig, we're back. Let's talk about the Burns Cage. We'll talk about the things that made us laugh, the things that made us cry, the things that made us think, what we watch of the episode, and what we're watching next week. But before we do all of that, let's uh, share some gifts with one another. I think that's always a nice thing to do. And uh, way back in the day, we used to make media, you know, and we talk about the things that we'd want made. So I got what I think that you would want made. So I made you a t-shirt, which features the back of Burns' autobiography or memoir. Of him holding a gun to the earth, or to the globe, implying that he wants to kill all of human existence. That would be a great shirt, wouldn't it? Yeah. We should just put it up on uh, T Public. Yeah, for the two weeks that we can keep it up there. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a, a gift picked out for you, but now that you're giving me a shirt, I kind of want to give you a shirt now. And oh. I think it'll be at the last uh, scene of the vignettes of uh, old films <laughs> of just uh, Mo being hanged. I, that's, I love it. I wear it every day. <laughs> uh, the original gift, Steve, I was going to give you the gift that will only last, uh, in your case, maybe three minutes. Oh. <laughs> I'm giving you the gift of Tom Collins. Oh, I, I like Tom Collins. Thank you. The drink and the man. You see okay, how yeah. you'll both last only three minutes with both. I don't know. With the, with the man, I might even be a little less than three minutes. <laughs> But uh, shirts all around. Shirts to everybody. And then for an honorable mention, let's uh, give each other selves the uh, my name is uh, uh, Smithers assistant. Yeah. Or Smithers replacement. Yeah, that'll be our other shirt. There you go. I like that. Um, all right, Craig, what made you laugh in this episode or who made you laugh in this episode? I thought Dan Castellaneta doing the Humphrey Bogart character was just very delightful because it was his bogey, but also like season one Homer voice. A little bit, Walter yeah. Matha. Really funny. Like I said, the Tom's calling the drink gag was great. Uh, George, uh, so, you know, George uh, Takei, uh, nice fun uh, cameo from him, who's been on The Simpsons before. Mm hmm. But was off for a long period of time because he was, many fans might know this, but originally they're doing the monorail episode with, you know, the Conan O'Brien wrote, they wanted Star Trek actor and they wanted 
George. And they're like, well, we can get George because he's been on the show. They just want him to play Sulu. But at the time, George was on the board of the BART system. Or no, not the BART system, but uh, that's the, <laughs> the transportation in San Francisco. The, right. But just, just the transportation in Los Angeles. And he felt it was making fun of public transportation and said he didn't want to do it. And so he ended up got Leonard Nimoy, who is arguably <laughs> the face of Star Trek. Right. Know? We played Spock, so oh, I brought Leonard Nimoy up in it. <laughs> there should be a Star Trek bingo, guys. Play this. Yeah, there you Craig go. Mentioning Star Trek actors or characters bingo game. So I already did uh, Sulu. Uh, technically, I did reference Chekhov. Uh, mm-hmm. did. You did mention uh, DeForest Kelly. I did. I did. Yeah. So I thought that bit was fun with him. The urgent yank on uh, Smithers' <laughs> uh, watch was great. And of course, when Julio draws the map of Springfield to Cuba, I like that kind of that gag and. Um, I loved uh, Carl's line of the games can be games can be fun. So it's kind of redundant, you know, like a fun game. Mm-hmm. I love that line. Uh, Lisa did some great acting because she was acting in this episode. Sure. Uh, MVJ. I'm going to give it to the most valuable character actor on the Simpsons. And that's uh, I'm giving it to Ralph Wiggum with his Peter Lorre impersonation. I love it. Um, yeah, this uh, episode had a lot of fun. I really also liked the uh, map gag. And the funny games line. Um, also, Lisa getting the part that she was anagrammed to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really fun. I really like Millhouse in this episode. Always talking about the I can't follow. Can't follow. Can't follow. <laughs> what does that mean? Like him not getting that and then questioning the 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 Casablanca itself is really funny. Uh, talking about De Gaulle. Like, why would the Nazis allow De Gaulle? Yeah. Right. Which I um, learned about uh, De Gaulle in uh, Young Indiana Jones. So bring it back go. to Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Not school. TV. So TV we learn. TV good. School bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stay in TV, kids. This. Don't do school. <laughs> Stay in drugs and eat your teachers. Um, I like uh, uh, Skinner's line of the go, go around being used for non-merry purposes. Um, also him eating the sad, uh, dry, two-day-old toast hamburgers funny oh, to me good. for some reason, just because it sounds so gross. Let's don't forget the beginning, too, with uh, Smithers calling Lenny Carl Moe's <laughs> Lenny Carl and uh, Homer <laughs> all three stooges. Yeah, and then they do a three-stooge bit. It was great. Um, also, in the very beginning, uh, when Smithers and Burns are flying in the air and they pass through the Simpsons text. Oh, yes, yes. That's a funny joke, too. So there's a lot of funny things. And even the Will You Marry Moe joke, I thought was great. Yeah. So I'm going to be a little weird, and I'm going to give this to Rob Lezebnik. What? I think you've given it to writers in the past. I may have, but this one's special because he's going to get it from me, and he's going to give it to his son, the honor. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to like, hey, the fucking annoyed grump boys gave me an award they want to give to you. And yeah. they'll be like, who's the annoyed grump boys? And Rob would be like, a couple of douchebags on the internet. Right. And then someone's like, that's the internet, dad. A couple yeah. of douchebags. <laughs> And then they'll bond over their mutual dislike of us, and then everyone will be happy. So there Yay. we go. <laughs> We're bringing people uh, together by pulling ourselves apart. That's right. Uh, so all in all, what did you think of this episode, Craig? Um, I really enjoyed this episode. Let's talk like nerdy shop talk mm-hmm. and story structure and how you're doing the A story and the B story and how they are the same story, but from different perspectives. And I appreciate about that because you have this love story with Smithers, who's in love with Burns mm-hmm. and he never be with him. And then you have the other side where it's it's a millhouse who's in love with Lisa, who knows he can never be with her. And then them coming together at the end and like explaining that like, yeah, love sucks. And guess what? No one's ever going to get it. <laughs> right. But I love how that's the fundamental part of storytelling is like 
making sure the story is connected. And sometimes when the Simpsons do, there's always that connection. So I loved how the A story and B story came together. It felt like a classic Simpsons episode in that sense. You also were doing a parody of a, an old timey movie, which is great. Anytime they do that, uh, Casablanca, you know, I know it's cliche to Spain and it's one of the best films of all time, but it isn't because it literally is one of the best films of all time of like older movies. I can understand a lot of people like not getting into it, like, like a gone with the wind. Like I, I can't sit through that. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. But Casablanca is one of those movies. You know, I sat down and I, I watched clips from it today. And I was like, I need to rewatch this again. It's such a good movie. So I liked how they're parodying that. And I like how you said this was a episode where it was a coming out for Smithers, even though everyone knew and no one cares. But also at the time, making this just so common, not an issue, is what I think is important. Yeah. So I love that aspect of it. And I thought some of the jokes, yeah, a lot of the jokes were great. It was just a well-rounded, well-written episode. And it felt like a classic episode. And uh, the kids were being kids. I think Smithers episodes are kind of some of my favorite episodes because he's one of the few like straight characters in Springfield. Uh, when I mean straight, of course, like a no nonsense character, you know, that he doesn't yeah. have a weird quirk, uh, like a thing that makes him a character. He's just Smithers. Mm-hmm. He's a human being. Right. Yeah. Like one of the most human characters. And so, yeah, I, I think this episode, uh, a fantastic episode from uh, what we're in season uh, 27. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd watch this again if it's on. I enjoyed rewatching it when I'm taking notes. So, um, if I were to give this a ranking, uh, Casablanca came out in uh, 1942. So I'll give this uh, uh, 1,938. The Beautiful. year Superman came out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, this episode, it's just a pleasant episode, I feel. You're right in comparing it to a like, classic episode because it does feel like kind of old-fashioned Simpsons charm. Um, I really like how everyone's... It's invested in the play, and um, this it, it just feels like a classic Simpsons storyline. And uh, Smithers' journey throughout the years with Burns has always been frustrating, and so to have a little bit of clarity on that, and having him have the ability to you know explore the world and finding Julio, who's a fun character, that's really cool. And it's just kind of neat because it shows without showing how many queer characters there are in Springfield without this being like an overtly queer episode. It doesn't have to be a very special episode. It's just a thing that's happening to our characters. And I like that it's just normalized. And I think that's beautiful. Smithers is a great character. You know, even though his relationship with Burns probably isn't the healthiest, I think that it's great that he realizes what he's getting out of that relationship. And that allows him to explore other avenues of his life. I think the jokes were a lot of fun. I like that they keep bringing Ralph back as a great actor because I do think he's destined to be one of Hollywood's finest character actors. And I think that there's a lot of like little jokes in this episode that just work really well. So this was a, a fun one for me. I would definitely recommend it as a watch. You know, Julio's standards for uh, your phone being in the green at 20%. So I'm going to say if I had to give this a score, I'm going to give this a 18 out of 20. So it's up there, but you better plug it in soon. It's also an episode where there's not a lot of negative vibes going on. There's not a yeah. lot of, it's all positive. Even Mr. Burns, who's always negative, is the one who, you know, needs Smithers. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice episode. Yeah, you're right. It is very sweet. And I do like the positivity. That's a really good point. So, yeah. yeah. No ill-tempered, nefarious things going on. Right. It's uh, pleasant. So the, the negative thing is, of course, love of falling out of love and that just sucks no matter what. And it's not evil. It's just natural. It's just what happens. And sometimes the uh, the journey is more important than the destination. Yes. Do we have any more sound clips we can say? <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> it's not easy to love the one you want, but love the one you're with. 
And if you must leave them, there must be at least 50 ways to leave your lover. Slip out the back, Jack, make a new plan, Stan. <laughs> and remember, no every rose has its thorn. Sweet child of mine. Theme from Ghostbusters. <laughs> All righty, Craig. Well, that was the fun that we had in this episode. I wonder if we'll have fun with next week's episode. Oh, gee, Steve, watching all these old episodes, uh, it's been hit or miss. I, I just can't wait to go get to that wheel of random again. Well, Craig, I am excited to disappoint you uh, because we don't need that uh, stinky old wheel of random. Hey, hey, Steve, you always disappoint me. Ah, good. Glad to yeah. hear it. Because uh, we have a new one next week. Uh, oh, season boy. 34, episode 13. Uh, it seems like it's been two months without a new Simpsons. It seems like we've had one episode this year that's new, and that's it. <laughs> I feel like uh, I've watched a full seasons of TV shows in between the yeah. new episodes of the simpsons i've been i've been actually missing it yeah me too i'm i'm i it feels like so long so i'm excited to see what we're what we're going to watch next week so what do you think the title of that episode will be yeah i've noticed that there's been a lot of like book pun parodies on the simpsons that we've reviewed lately and that's a that's a huge theme for any simpsons title so i think narrowing it down to be like a title pun based episode i think is the way to go you know i'll say something stupid like homer's creamy shoe bottoms but that's not a title of a book right right or a parody of something <laughs> I, I couldn't think of it so it's going to be um it's the casablanca we're talking about casablanca i'm thinking more uh famous literature uh oh uh uh you know i like uh uh, uh lord of the rings books right so what about mm-hmm. return of the king parody return of the king sized homer Ooh, that uh, yeah. sounds fun. That's a great reference. You could see you where that's going. Oh, yeah, for sure. But sadly, we will not see where that's going, at least not next week, because that is not the title. <sighs> but if you can tell me the plot of the actual title, maybe we'll be free of this podcast. So, Craig, <laughs> the uh, title of next week's episode is The Many Saints of Springfield. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, obviously going to be a Fat Tony parody. Um, it's probably gonna be a parody of that uh, prequel movie of uh, the Sopranos that uh, uh, I was gonna watch, but then every Soprano fan who said, <laughs> who watched it, said, "Don't bother." So I'm never gonna watch it. Um, so it'll be a parody of that. So maybe I don't know. It's the origin of Fat Tony again, <laughs> uh, and it starts out at uh, I don't know. Did they already do one where it starts out the death of Fat Tony? Because there's Fit Tony, right? So maybe Fit Tony dies, but the real Fat Tony comes back. Okay. Um, and the B story uh, has to relate to it. Uh, Martin decides to uh, start his own organized crime uh, club called the uh, Butterfly Mafia. Okay. Because M- Martin's into butterflies. That's true. He is. If you listen to our very first episode, Dial In For Nerdier, you would know that. That's true. I haven't listened to that one yet. <laughs> uh, well, Craig, you're kind of right. It does involve Fat Fit Tony. So many things of Springfield. Here's what I have. Falling on hard times, Ned goes into business with the Springfield Mafia. So we got Ned going uh, with the gangs, going into a gangbang with Mr. Flanders. I hope those uh, gangsters be be warned about uh, Flanders' uh, lethal weapon he's got in his pants. Right. I'm talking about his penis. He's got a really big penis. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, we've all seen it. Uh, the episode where Homer is trying to set him up on a date. Yeah. And Lisa has to edit the footage. So she bleeps out his hog. <laughs> exactly. The weirdest things ever. Okay. Uh, Steve, I'm excited for a new episode. That's all I got to say. Me too. And I'm excited for uh, all you listeners to hear it as well. And hey, if you listeners want to uh, contact us, you can uh, reach us on the socials at 138Simpsons. Or you can email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. 
check out our YouTube page at 138 Simpsons. And uh, we got merch at tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grump boys. Also, we really would like you to leave a review on the podcasting app, uh, like Apple Podcasts, leave a five star or the equivalent. And uh, you don't have to write a real review, just uh, write down um, the name of the person that uh, you loved but never loved you back. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And hey, if you don't feel like uh, writing, you can uh, leave us a voicemail. Just go to your podcasting app, hit the little button there, and record us a memo. And hey, it can be a problem. It can be a question. It can be whatever you want. Just no math problems. Really, really done with that. Yeah, math no stuff. math. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. For this week, I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And remember, you can teach acting, but you can't teach popular. And I could tell you about dames, but I know nothing about them. Yeah.